2023. That means I'm actually 51 years old today. Officially an old man crossed that middle line forever that people have in their head about 50. Assume, I guess that assumes we're all going to make 100. I don't know about that, but uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to wake up and realize, hey, I'm actually an age that's considered old by most people now. Uh, my granddaughter gave me a, and my grandson both gave me a card yesterday, and somehow seeing the number written on it was different than just saying it. Anyway, all of that aside, we're going to have a great episode today. We're going to be talking about teaching children hydroponics in any educational environment with our special guests, who I'll have on in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to go ahead and remind you about our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is ButcherBox. You know, I was just asked for a referral over to ButcherBox today by a fellow podcaster, and they're like, well, how'd you work out payment? I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do for you, but they pay me in meat. I, I literally get a giant box of meat shipped to my front gate every month, and that's what I do in return for their sponsorship. They're the only sponsor I have that 100% pays me in product, not in dollars. That's how much I like their product. If you give them a try, I think you'll see why fantastic grass-fed beef, pastured pork, pastured poultry, and great wild-caught seafood. All of it ships straight to you. It's always it's always done right, too. I mean, they just do a great job. It's all packed with dry ice. I've never had a bad package delivered ever. Well, actually, in five years at one time, but I don't blame ButcherBox. I will blame the carrier for that. And ButcherBox made it right like they always do. So check them out today. And remember, if you're an MSB member, you can get $10 off every box every month forever, and that's $120 a year back in your pocket just by being an MSB member, which is 50 bucks a year. That's just one discounter. Next up today is JM Bullion. Um, you know, everybody knows I love Bitcoin, but I am not a Bitcoin-only guy. I believe that precious metals have a real place in your wealth assurance program, and so make sure that you are stacking some silver and or gold. And if you're going to do that, you might as well deal with the company that's been sponsoring this, this show for a decade now. A full decade, we have been partnered up with JM Bullion. They do a discount for MSB members. No one does a discount in this market because it's such thin margins. They have better pricing than Monix, Apex, and Lear Capital. And they ship everything for free. And they support the show you love. So when you're going to stack silver, I have to say I don't know why you would go anywhere other than JM Bullion. And with that, I want to bring our special guest on, Glenna Tabor. And we're going to be talking about hydroponics. And I am stoked because <laughs> when I watched a couple of your videos and it takes a certain type of person to really engage with kids. And you are that type of person. Oh. So I'm excited to have you on to talk to my audience today. Oh, thank you. And I, I it's double exciting. It's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yay. So it's thank not you. a big deal to me or anything. Everybody <laughs> mentions it. So I might as well just embrace it. <laughs> People think I don't like my birthday because they're like, well, let's go out and do it. I'm like, I don't care. And they think I don't like it because there are people that just like they don't like their birthday. I just don't care. <laughs> no, it's, it's another day that I say, yes, I've been alive. Yes. And thank you for for going and watching the videos and for noting that I'm doing my best to appeal to 
students and to learners and to people. I have, uh, it has been my lifelong passion and journey to engage learners. I see a student and I, you know, I'm addicted to the light bulb that turns on when a student is given the chance to ask questions and answer questions for themselves. Because when they own the information in their heads, no one can take it from them. Agreed. And I think that I don't want to dive straight into this because I want people to hear about kind of your background, how you got into this. But I think when you can take young learners and give them something concrete to learn things with. So it's not just an idea. It's not just doing a math problem and writing an answer down and getting a gold star. When there's actually a practical application in the world that pertains to them, that it takes on a complete new meaning. And that light bulb moment is more common, as you're saying. Definitely. Definitely. And and this, I mean, literally this morning I was checking on my hydroponically grown dwarf tomatoes. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to make sure that when I recommend this to learning environments, to teachers in any learning setting, that this one will grow. And I manually pollinated <laughs> and in and I had three tomatoes growing. Yes. <laughs> but if students had been watching by the time. If, if a learner had been watching, two hours later, there are two more. There oh, are two awesome. more dwarf tomatoes. So literally, you're watching the transformation and the excitement in front of your eyes. I think it's important in a world where a lot of people, I'm not going to say kids, a lot of people seem to think their food just comes from the store. They have no idea of the supply chain in between the store and the, and the food being actually produced. They have no idea how it works. And I think one of the things that really happens when people try to grow their own food is they have failures. And that is good because then they have a greater appreciation for the system that's feeding them for all the flaws that the large systems have. They're, you know, they are feeding people. And I think it puts you in an understanding of we are lucky to live in a time of, of relative abundance. And it's not always that way. So, but before we dig into the topic itself, what, what's kind of your background? What's your story? I'm sure you weren't you know, 15 years ago doing this, you were probably doing something else. And, and, and how do you end up in a world where you're using hydroponics to teach children, not just about growing food, but things like math and science? I am a sixth generation Texan. So I am from around here <laughs> uh, and live about an hour south of Waco right now. Moved a few months ago to uh, the country. And so we uh, say at Terra Hill Farm, my husband and I say that we live two steps from off grid and that we're trying to help other people do the same thing. I my parents moved around a little bit when I was growing up. So I ended up graduating from Louisiana State University in Shreveport with an education degree and from Regent University in Virginia with a master's degree in education. I worked in classrooms K to eight in Texas, Maryland, and Louisiana, and New Mexico. And so I had a very different setting. My, my drive through all of it was, how can I do what is best for my learners? How can I do what is best for my learners? No matter who walks through my door, it's my job to do what is best for them 
for as much as I can. It was, it, it was my, it, it was the gift I was given. They, they walked through my doors and I thought, yes, another one. <laughs> and sometimes the other ones, I mean, I had in, when I taught in Prince George's County, Maryland, I had 40 students per class. Oh, wow. So it was, it was interesting. You had to teach differently. And part of what I did is I taught in such a way, small group differentiated instruction that People started catching on to it. It was publicized in the Washington Post and Reader's Digest. And because the schools I assisted when I was site-based, I started with an entire school. And the school, they call them at-risk schools. But I don't like that phrase. I like more, better what Carol Ann Tomlinson out of the University of Virginia calls it. She calls, she doesn't say at-risk learners. She says at-promise. Hmm. Doesn't that change? And so my yeah. At Promise school made some of the greatest gains in the state of Maryland and the greatest gains in the district. And people started saying, wait a minute, how did you do that? And that, so I started going to schools and saying, this is how we did it. And we, what we did is what, exactly what you said. We had one box of manipulatives for the school, one for 800 students. Okay. If the brain learns concrete to pictorial to virtual levels of concrete, pictorial to abstract, to abstract, you have to start with the concrete. That's how the brain learns. Yeah. And they didn't even have the tools for that, but I made sure that they did. I wrote grants. I connected it to the state standards, and we made the greatest gains, which led me to working with top theorists, uh, Bob Marzano. He's known as Robert Marzano. I called him Bob. Uh, Jay McTie and that, but I had so many requests that I couldn't keep working site-based and still help schools to help sure. students. And that was really my goal. So I started my own educational consulting firm, uh, Glenda Tabor Resources, and made it my goal to help as many as I could. Through that, you, I'm probably best known for if people saw me at a math, statewide math conference or you took me to Florida and, or, or Orange County, they would say, oh, Glenna Tabor, Tabor Rotation. And that's a framework that I created to teach every learner at every level and move them ahead every day. It's a framework so that you can do that. It's impacted thousands of schools last count one over one million students and there are students who had the look of you, you know that accomplishment mm -hmm. when your grandchildren they 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 discover it and that accomplishment and that is priceless priceless so I continue to do that but you know my favorite evaluation I have to tell you that my favorite evaluation was given to me by one of my students, she came in, her mother came in and she said, tell Miss Tabor what another student from another class said. And the other student had looked at one of my students and said, oh yeah, well all you do in Miss Tabor's class is have fun. We don't do that in our classroom. <laughs> as, as though learning and fun can't go together. And so, you know what I hear is first, Children do better when you don't sit around telling them how bad they suck and you, you, you in, in, impress upon them that you believe in their ability. And, and two, children do better when they're given something to shoot for and expected to get there, right? And three, all of this can be fun because learning should be fun because humans are natural learners. And hence, in most of the system, we're doing it completely wrong. 
I mean, we really are. And, you know, to, to watch you create reform by exiting the system and working on it from the outside kind of reinforces that. Like there's a, I think there's a limitation to how much a person can do inside of a system because they're going to be you know, given this like a large class, like you said, 40 students. It's kind of like a limitation of what you can do, you know, and maybe you can improve the school as a whole, like you said, with grants and getting people on a standards based curriculum or whatever. But then it's like you're totally limited. The worst thing in the world happened. They'll make you a principal or an administrator, you know, and then you're, you're kind of stuck in the middle. But by exiting and offering a consulting service, you've managed to continue to have impact. And it, let's be honest, the system is very hard to make changes in. Well, Tony Wagner, I don't know if you've read some of his text, but he's the author of Creating Innovators, The Making of Young Who Will Change the World. And he specifically says, he says, this is, these are his words, he says, we don't need to change the system. It's antiquitous. We need, mm. it's obsolete. He said, we need to be doing, and he studied people like, um, uh, you know, creators uh, and, and innovators. And he said, you know, Steve Jobs didn't finish school because it wasn't set up for him. But he says specifically there are three things that will change. And, and parents, survivalists, um, homeschool people, public school people, it doesn't matter. If you are working with a learner, mm-hmm. if you're working with a learner, you can. You, he s- emphasizes play, passion, play. Mm-hmm. That you know is important. Play is important, and playing with the concepts and play, which develops passion, which gives them purpose. And that really, he said, the the quantity of our future will not be oil or gas. It will be the innovative minds of our young. Well, if you think about it, kids do learn by playing. If you put kids out in an environment where they can play, they play and they learn all kinds of stuff. Right. They learn, you know, math on paper is one thing. They also learn mental math. When a kid starts picking up a ball and throwing a ball, trying to hit something with it, there's a massive amount of mathematics. It's not formal mathematics, but it's an internal mathematical formula that our brain computes. It's how we learn. And they start learning just from stuff like that. Like I learned so much just by being immersed in my environment growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s when kids were free. I learned more in the woods than I did in the classroom. And no one made me do it. No one's like, you better get out there and learn. You know, like big kids tore our fort down. So we started figuring out how to make catapults. Right. Like, I, I mean, love that. Oh, I love that. I just, no, we had tuna fish cans, gravel, and a freaking sapling. And like, you're not coming to take our fort anymore. Like, we learned and we adapted. And when the big kid ran home and said he got shot with gravel, and, and dad found out why, he got his ass whooped. Right. Like, it was a different world. Let's let's get on into hydroponics, though, right? Because somewhere in all this, you you kind of plug a hydroponics module, I guess, into what you're oh, wait, doing. And I, yeah, and I what, have to tell you stuff? that I presented at the state conference. I've been doing that for 14 years. And when in 2009 I presented at the state national conference for mathematics in Texas, in 2009, it was innovative to even think about doing small group instruction in mathematics. Now it's co- it's more commonplace. But my topic was putting the the making the M in STEM come alive with hydroponics. And people were saying, "Glenna, <laughs> what is she doing?" And it actually, my husband started it in he started it in his garage in 2020. 
uh, early 2020, and he had started it because he was watching a podcast from one of um, this guy named, he said, he never called him Jack. He just called him Spearco. Okay. So he said, Jack Spearco, and he would say, Spearco did, and I thought, oh, another thing Spearco did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spearco, you, you, he attended a tra uh, one of your workshops presented on real estate, and he brought back the most amazing clue I'd ever tasted. So I sent him back the next time and said, get more on that trading blanket. Get more <laughs> of that Kahlua. But, uh, and he was doing it, and when everyone else was running out of produce, and the grocery stores were running out of produce, because remember what happened in 2020? Yeah. yeah. We were eating. Luckily, everybody ate salad, right? <laughs> we were eating fresh greens, vegetables, and had a salad every day because of what he was growing. And I thought, all right, you're thinking of it the one way. I need to be making it accessible to anyone. I was just thinking, I could, if you can do it, I can do it. And I started, and you'll see behind me, this is two square foot space. It's mm -hmm. one corner of my office. So I took even a half size shelf of this because I've got growing seeding trays up on top and I've got another tank down on bottom, two tanks down on bottom. But I thought if I can grow it in my office and prove that it works, then I could share it with others who want to eat fresh food that hasn't been in a truck for two weeks. If you could mm -hmm. get it, that hasn't been treated with preservatives that hasn't, doesn't have pesticides that, no, no, anything has touched it. You know where it comes from seed to your plate. And I figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> and I was just, I mean, I was showing pictures to my friends. They weren't seeing pictures of my children. They were seeing pictures of my starfighter lettuce that was the size of your palm. <laughs> mm. And that led me to writing the hydroponics for food course online, which then when I was writing the course, I thought, Oh my, you know what's in this everywhere? Yeah. Math, Math. chemistry. I mean, it, who wouldn't, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do it? Because you can't grow it and it's not instantaneous. Are the Gen Z learners, and you know this because oh, you're a marketing person, you come yeah. from a business background, their attention span the last time they tested the Gen Z learners, their attention span for marketing was 9.1 seconds. Yeah, the, this Topa Chico soda bottle has a better attention span than the average person today. That, I mean, that's that's why short form content is what it is. I mean, two, uh, the the length is two minutes, under two minutes. However, yeah. hydroponics, you're forced. Yeah. It, you're forced to it. I mean, you yeah. start off, I mean, I have a Salanova seed. I don't know if you can see this, but see how tiny that seed is? And yeah. students are saying, wow, well, it grows to this. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. It's going to be a, you know, four to six week process. And so, but hydroponics allows it to go faster because we have the technology, LED light bulbs. And so now we're talking more subjects. Yeah. And natural integration. Yeah, I mean, you've got so many modules of science and math in this because there's math and computing certain things. There's math and you can even just do like volumetric, like how much gain was there in this? You've got chemistry. You've got the interaction of the macro and micronutrients and the pH of the water. 
you've got light, you've got biology, right? And I've always said that, like, the way we teach is dumb because we take math and we put it in a box and we take <laughs> chemistry and we put it in a box and then we take uh, other disciplines of science like biology and we put it in a box and we teach them independently. Uh-huh. And it, it makes me think back to when I was in high school and I was I took an advanced chem class and I was doing really poorly in it. And my accounting teacher, I was in advanced accounting class too, pulled me aside because the bad good teachers and the chem teacher told the accounting teacher, I don't know what's wrong with him. He seems really smart. He's not getting it. And Mr. Birch, my accounting teacher, like basically said, look at this chemical formula and pretend it's money. (laughs) And it was click. Oh, like it meant nothing to me. I don't give a shit about a covalent bond. I don't know why I did this. I don't care. But like just having a different perspective on it. Oh, it's just a formula. Don't worry about what it's doing. And then once you could work the formula, then you actually did understand what it was doing. It was pretty cool. You know, when you're trying to get a 16-year-old to think that way, you got to be creative. And, and I, there's, like, there's no more direct route into somebody's mind than connecting them to their food because we eat every day. And I don't know about you, but I found kids that will not eat what we would consider healthy food. The minute they grow it, they'll eat it. Yes. It's weird. It's like, oh, I want to eat that now because I made it. Well, because it's the result. And you talk about when people say, well, how will I assess it? That was always when I did small group instruction in mathematics. They said, well, how will I assess it? Where are the worksheets? <laughs> and the assessment of this is the assessment. Um, I don't know if you can see this plant here, but yeah. the assessment of this. Someone gave me a plant that cost them $5 at Walmart. It's yes. a potato. It's Ipomoea. It's a sweet, you know, it's a potato plant. But they gave it to me, and I was testing to see. I'm using scientific method, and I was testing to see could I take the soil out and just bring it back to life in hydroponics mm-hmm. with more intense nutrient, better lighting, and I have, and that way the students who may not be able to grow the seeds, which you know germinating is one of the yeah. most challenging parts of hydroponics and of gardening. And they could take, but they could take a plant and receive immediate success for it. But I love that your instructor saw the connection because otherwise we throw concepts at students like a blank sheet of paper against a wall, it just slides off. And really what we need to be doing is Velcro instruction. Velcro yeah. works because it's a flexible circle with a bendable hook. Yeah. Hook. So it and, and what happens and I tell people you have to hook it like Velcro to what they're interested in, which means you need to talk to the learner. Which you it will obviously work. This I was sixteen years old and a junior in high school and I'm telling this story as a fifty one year old man today. So it clearly worked, it clearly stayed with me. And what it was simple is I liked money. I'm always going to say, don't hate money. Like money, I cared about money. I lived in a poor ass place and I didn't want to stay there. So money was like, I want to understand money. So it was just making the connection to something that was important to me. And I'm one of these people. That's how I am anyway. Like I have an almost identic memory unless I don't care. And then nothing will make me remember anything like because I'm done. I'm just tuned out. But I think what you're hitting on there, like, well, how would we assess it? Well, one of the ways we might assess it is this kid just grew a week's worth of food. We'd call that an A, right? That would be an A. They learned how to do it. The yeah. project itself, like 
I think back to other things that I took in school that they don't really have much of anymore, like shop classes and stuff like this. Well, how did you know you built a good gun rack? Well, it looked good. It hung on the wall. It was finished right. The gun went in it. It didn't fall off. Right. Okay. So you had this concrete thing at the end that can be assessed that clearly the person moved through the required things to do it. And if it required math, well, then the math that's required was done properly. Exactly. The, the plant's not dead. I do have a hack for you on seed germination, though. It's a oh, little please. hard with really tiny seeds like lettuces. But a lot of seeds that have germination issues, take a piece of paper towel, wet it, put the seeds between it, fold it over on itself. So several layers on both sides, sort of the Ziploc bag and close it, throw it on top of something like a cable box on a TV that's warm. And then set a reminder to check it every day. And as soon as a little rootlet sticks out, plant it. Okay. And so like Thank spinach you. is terrible about germinating in a hydro system, but it grows great. And that will, you'll get like 95% germination if you do that. Thank you. Thank so you very much. I, I, will, I, I will be, uh, I'll have to share that. <laughs> so um, can you talk more? We, I mean, we kind of already hit on this, but more about how it fits a learning environment. Hydroponics is a thing because I know that, You've obviously made a really great connection here. This is like Lego connection, like perfectly designed. It because it naturally integrates the subjects, it's and it's in the and students will see the natural connection. And it's it's accessible. It's accessible. It's right there in your classroom so that you can see it and so that you can experience it. If you need the information, if you know what you need to teach, if you know what the learning needs to learn, you can teach it using hydroponics. In fact, I'm hoping part of what why I've created some curriculum and the free activities I have on glennatabor.com is because someone wrote me and said, we don't have a concrete way to experience this. I mean, if you don't have a concrete way to teach, you can be bar graphs. Bar graphs are one of the you know, reading data you need an EC meter. I mean, come on. Yeah. The electrical conductivity meter is a living. <laughs> yeah. It's a living bar graph that then you have to convert to parts per million. And then you can measure with a TDS meter. I mean, all of these you're using. And then, well, what are we doing? Are we doing, wait a minute. Are we using technology? Are we using science? Are we using math? And if we have to tell our, let's say we're in a homeschool and we want to tell our mom that we really need an EC meter, then we write to her a proposal of why it would be important to us. Now we're doing English language oh, like arts. That. Oh, I'm going to steal that for a lot of stuff. I want, want, write I want me a proposal. <laughs> write and me a support. Proposal. Well, yeah. well, that's why you need writing. You don't, they, we used to isolate all, and, and people still do. I, I've had a student tell me in one school said, I, I said, well, let's think about the math in that, in that science. And, and, um, he said, oh, no, 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 we're doing, we're doing science. We don't do math in science. <laughs> My head hurts <laughs> to hear an educator use those words. I just, what? what? You don't use math in science. I. I uh, <laughs> so if you, you put, you wonder and, why we have a problem. Like <laughs> you wonder why we're like number twenty-five in the world or something like that right now on 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 math and science scores. But I see. Here's where I see. This is the vision I have 
for hydroponics if you just put it in to the learning environment it has the potential to create an innovator who will then struggle some and have some things that don't work because the only way you can excel is if you have things that don't work otherwise yeah. if you say i only want success if people are only looking for success then no one tries something new especially perfectionists i just want to talk to the student and ask him if he thinks engineering is a science <laughs> and then i want to ask him if we do math and engineering and i want to see that cognitive distance and that <laughs> mental lock up and sci-fi robot do not compute you know, like like hat meltdown smoke come out of the ears um no, I think you're right. And I mean, it does, the reason I said that is it does lead to engineering. Once you learn to do something like it looks like what you're doing is like a crack key based system behind you there. But as soon as you start doing stuff, you're like, well, how can I make this better? You know, I, I ended up building a system that I don't even use really anymore. I've changed it more to a seed starting system. But I had, you know, um, microgreens growing on the top, multiple levels that was combining. Like, And I think that if you give kids something like this, some of the kids, let's we have to stop thinking like everybody's going to respond the same to the same thing as they're not. There's going to be kids. They're going to like, okay, this is kind of cool. I learned something. I grew some lettuce, but there's going to be kids that are like, you saying innovators. Like, well, wait a minute. What, what about, and they're going to start digging in. And there's, this is the beautiful thing about teaching right now, wherever that person wants to go with it. Yeah. There is so much information at their fingertips where they can explore videos. I have a whole series just on the different things I've done with it. There's people that like, it's their only thing. So they have way more than I do. And who knows what they're going to come up with because we're talking about a technology for all the, the, the purest organic people to get all pissed about it. That can literally put food into the mouths of people anywhere on the planet. Thank you. Anywhere yes, on the planet with very yes. low tech systems and the crappiest places to try to grow food are where it's very hot, there's not a lot of water, and it never freezes. And that means that they can grow food year-round with this. Uh, yes. Dr. Kratke, or Professor Kratke out of Hawaii, he developed the method for use in the tropics. Right. Right? It, it's, it, it's something that you cannot go wrong teaching someone how to produce food for themselves in a way that can be done anywhere. And that's why it impacts the rest of their lives. And the, the only the difference in when we looked at crack key, it doesn't it's not we study the difference. And I looked at the possibilities and I don't know if you can see. I just use aeration. OK, so you use like a combined method. So it's, it's DWC. It's a deep water culture with aeration. And that that has it also keeps it contained um, because the NFT or the um, the drip, you know, some of those, it can be tricky in a school mm -hmm. <laughs> or in a place or in an RV. When you were talking, when they were talking about the nomadic lifestyle yeah. and they yeah. said, I don't know if we can do hydroponics. And I said, oh, yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. you can. But I would take the learners and I would say, we'll start with this. Now, let's use chat GBPT. Let's use what we know and see if we can design an NFT or an ebb and flow that would yeah. fit in this same space sure. and test sure. the difference. And there's definitely some challenges with that. I like what you're doing with the aerated crack though, because what it does is if you're doing long duration crops where you have to top fluid levels up, it's less critical that you don't 
go too high with it. Because with straight cracky, those hair roots need to stay exposed. By pumping some air into there, which you can do with a $9 aquarium pump, yes. you know, it runs off a standard electrical outlet and doesn't draw. But, like, I think my little active aqua ones draw, like, nine and a half watts or something when I plug them into a, a kilowatt meter. So it's very low. Even if somebody wanted to say, I wanted to design it for off-grid, I've got a little solar pump over there that did just fine. It was, like, 15 bucks, and it self-contained. Right. So, I mean, it, it really can go anywhere, do anything. Um, how do children in your program react when they start learning how to grow their own food and see it? Because it is across time, and that's what's cool. I wish that I could bring them to you, but if you watch some of my videos, you will see the students. They, When I said, you're a farmer now, hmm. oh, wow. I'm a farmer. And, and we gave them... Terra Hill Farm stickers that signified okay. that they were hydroponic farmers. And I did work with some kindergartners this spring and that one of the kindergartners, I, well, we, we started them out and they were growing it. They were growing food for their class pets. Oh, wow. So they were able to grow food for their class pets. And this told me it was working is because one of their teachers took it home for the summer so she could keep eating lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've done the right thing, but their faces and and I taught them, uh, you know, I taught them the hydroponics chant, and you can hear it. And they, they give me an H, give me a Y, give me a D R O, and then they do hydroponics, yeah. hydroponics. And the entire class, it sounds like it's at a pep rally. Oh, cool! For hydroponics, yeah. And we're I'm starting this in September. I'm going to bring, be bringing it to STEM clubs and to um, some private schools and so to some charter schools. I just finished working with, uh, and I'm still doing it, with a homeschool. And what we're doing is we're testing which type of seeding media oh. will do best to grow. Is it Rockwell cubes, Oasis cubes, or cotton balls? See, and again, I like that because you're not telling them the answer. They're, they're, you're helping them discover the answer. Like there's nothing that makes a kid more bored than you just telling them what the answer is. They like it, but it makes them bored. But when they have to figure it out, they learn how to learn. Right? Like that's like that's what we, I think we've stopped teaching that way. Learning how to learn. Instead, we're learning how to memorize, learning how to regurgitate, learning how to pass a test. You know, I, I and and so you're using right there the scientific method, which yes. the, the average person it astonishes me because I learned the scientific method in like seventh grade, right? Um, it astonishes me the average person has no concept of what scientific method is, and so they can be told something stupid like in this matter the science is settled <laughs> with no example of any type of control and experimental group and and still like oh okay, and you just go. How do you not know what you're supposed to know by the time you graduate in seventh grade and you're a grown ass man or woman walking around? Yeah. And but that right there is the scientific method. You have three different mediums. You're testing them. And nature doesn't care that you favor one over the other. It's mm -hmm. going to show you what it's going to show you. And right. it's also like then there's another lesson of, well, this one was the best in the conditions that we created in this <laughs> experiment. Perhaps if we would have created different conditions, one of the other ones would have excelled. And maybe this one was the best for germination. But which one's the best for long-term grow out? 
Right. And we're about to put it in. We're going to put it in a, a, a DWC tank with aeration and okay. then test it. Well, now that it did grow to that point, one of my homeschool scientists, and I call them scientists. I told them to I like look. I said, I need you to look like scientists. Huh. And they looked at me, and this was, I was doing Zoom, so because I work with schools virtually as well and homeschools and, and people virtually to help them. But I said, I want you to look like a scientist. And they just kind of looked at me, and I said, it, then you need to look at yourself because you're a scientist. And the one who's... Uh, four years old, said, I just like doing this because I get to use these tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if you get a kid who's motivated, he's motivated. Why, why is it less important than you knowing that maybe the next four-year-old could be motivated the same way, you know? But I like what you're doing. You call them farmers. You call them scientists. And it makes me think of something that seems totally unrelated. There's a TV show. It's on Netflix or one of the streaming services called The Bear. And it's a, it's a fantastic it. show. It is not for kids. It's about a guy that's a, a, a chef, and he ends up taking over this little tiny place, and it's very stressed environment. Uh, it's not for kids, not so much for the content, more for the language, I would say. Um, but when he starts and he takes his place over, these are all people that just consider him cooks or whatever, and he starts calling everybody chef. And the one guy gets kind of like, you know, you're being pretentious or whatever. He finally blows his top, and he makes this long speech, and he said. I call you chef because it's a sign of respect. And that's how we do things in a kitchen. We respect each other. And you're assigning a level of respect that kids don't generally get when they're being taught. They're, they're put more in a completely subservient position, saying things like you are now a farmer. You are a scientist, right? This is elevation versus subordination, which is a totally different model but it accomplishes the thing that the failing model claims to want to accomplish. I'm sure that makes some people probably love you. Some people probably don't. Oh, I, no, no. I, uh, I held people's uh, feet to the flame. Do what is best. If you don't want to do it the way I'm helping you do it, and I will help you. I, yeah. I make all of my resources on glennatabor.com are free. It's over $3,500 worth of math, games, and activities, and they're free. You don't have to go to Teachers Pay Teachers to download or anything. You don't have to buy it. You can download it for free. And there are games and activities on food that use hydroponics. But I, I, but I say if you don't do what I'm doing, do what is best for your learner. Yeah. Do what is best for your learner. Do what is best for your learner. Because if you raise the bar and give them the support to get there and believe that they can do it, they will. They will, and they've proven it to me. Every classroom I've been in, every learning environment I've been in, I all, they, they rise to meet the level of expectation. They just do. And they are the scientists. And we should be asking them, and I know you believe in this, we should be asking them sincere questions, not assessment questions. Mm-hmm. Assessment questions are the ones I can look at my book and my, my guide and know whether or not you know it. Yeah. Sincere questions are ones I don't know, you don't know, let's go find out. Well, they've even learned to be able to answer the question, what do you think? Because what I've found in dealing with young people, having hired them over the years, is they can't express what they think because they know they don't know the concrete answer. So they're afraid to give any answer because it'll be wrong because they've been conditioned to think that way. And I've always said there is no wrong answer when I ask you what you think. (laughs) 
And you think if you work for somebody, they're making a, they're writing a paycheck to you every week, and they tell you that that you would feel comfortable. No. And so because they've never had to answer things that are subjective, they haven't learned that skill. And it's incredibly important because innovation is never about using a no. It can't you can't innovate and only use no's. No's lead to innovation, but you have to some point you have to leap into what you don't know. And the beautiful thing about teaching kids this way is they're going to find this point where they have to leap into the unknown. And we do know what's on the other side of it. So, but they, but we don't have to tell them and we can let them discover it for themselves. And sometimes I think maybe we can all do that because sometimes you might find out we're wrong. Uh, and I think in academia as a whole, especially at the upper echelons of it, there is a, for all of the liberalism, as they use the term, it's a very conservative body in that it does not like to have its theories and, 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 and rules and anything like they don't want anything overturned. But as a complete lack of progress, the longer somebody's had something published, the less they're in, interested in an innovator disproving it or expanding it or going past it, which is a back asserts way to do things. But it's what we do in this country for some reason. And I think well, most of the world we do it. But if you create do, kids like this, it'll stop because you get young adults coming in that, that just won't have it. And we steal their aha moments. Yes. Aha moments are what happens. And they documented this. In they've documented this, they've watched the brain in MRIs, they can document that the brain will have a spike before its nose it before it can verbalize it. Okay. And we take and that is an aha moment. And when we furnish everything or we're looking for the exact one answer instead of innovation and trial and error, when we do that, we steal their aha moments. We steal them. And I tell people, don't take their aha moments. Let Take your hands off of it and know that you facilitated them growing as a person. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a biology major or anything or a neurologist, but knowing what I do know about the formation of synapses in the brain when in children, which is something that happens at a rate that as you age, it happens less and less and less. Right. There's an optimum time for that to develop. It would seem that that would be a synapse trigger, like a synapse growth trigger that moment, because what you're talking about is my brain has figured out the answer, but it's almost like the older computers where I had to have a little bit of processing time to give you the output. Right. And there's a lag in there. And that lag is what you're talking about and seeing the spike at the initiation of that lag. Well, that lag could very well be that synapse formation because that's, that's how we develop intelligence versus knowledge. And that's something that we're drifting a little from hydroponics, but that's kind of the point, I guess that, you know, intelligence is the ability to learn knowledge as you know, a thing. And I think that there's this myth that like people have an innate intelligence and that's their limit that we could take two kids when they're five, and if we assess their intelligence based on what a five-year-old should know, that in 10 years that their IQ would be the same. And I don't believe that for a minute because what you're talking about is what leads to greater ability to learn, greater ability to assess information, greater ability to use the known to derive the unknown. Well, and well let me – yeah, to, to get it to, to relate it, let's pull it back directly to hydroponics. Let's okay. just say, and this is the multiple su subjects. Okay. So 
let's just say we walk in and there is daily maintenance. You have to use the daily maintenance checklist. So you have to refer to that. And that's on my Glenna Tabor YouTube channel. I've got it. You can download it for free, but you do need to use it. So they come in and they see tips of their, some of their plants are brown. Something's going on. So sure. the first thing they do, so they're using observation, that's science. The first thing they do is they get, they lift up and they see, are the roots in the nutrient? How far down is the nutrient? So we're doing measurements and now we're doing yep. math. And then they use an EC meter because they know if the EC is too high. And I had, during this heat, even inside, some of their nutrient, the water will be absorbed, but the parts per million are intense. And you have to add, so they realize they need to add some more pH balanced water. So now they're using science, they're using chemistry, they're using measurement. Then they decide they've, they decide that they do need to add the pH. So they do, they add that, they measure that out. So now we're using math again. And they realize at the end that it would be helpful if they had a better EC meter. It mm -hmm. would be helpful because this one, the one that they had just measured, uh, gave a, a, a measurement. So they decide to sit down and propose, make a proposal to their educator saying, could we please have this one and this is why? And they make the changes, which then they have to document the next day. Did it work? Did it not? And we have to measure again. And it wasn't resolved in a two minute TikTok or a minute TikTok video. Sure. It wasn't resolved in a, you know, a, you know, a, a Netflix show, it was resolved over time and that look at all the subjects and it wasn't a clear set re answer. We had to struggle some for the answer, which mm. brings about the glory for the students. Well, and also the idea of having to write a proposal. This is something a lot of, a lot of kids are going to grow into adults. So the way you get shit done is you write a proposal and they may be in positions where that's true, and they won't even know it if they've not been exposed to it. Um, like you talked about improving your school. One of the things you did was apply for grants. That's writing a proposal. When, you, when somebody would come to me when I was running a company and say, well, we need this, and I said, why? And they didn't have a good answer. I was done talking to them. <laughs> and my opinion of their opinion just went down. If you bring me a well-thought-out proposal, and it probably should be one or two pages because I'm a busy person, I might not even agree with you, but I will take it seriously. And my opinion of you has gone up. And if I need something done, I'm going to you're going to be one of my go to people. When you get inside governmental organizations or asking for government programs like grants, this is literally the only way to get anything. These kids are going to be trying. Some of them are going to take the college route. Getting into colleges is, is in many ways a proposal. Right. This is a valid skill set. And I've never really considered it. I have never even heard of the concept of writing a proposal being part of K-12 curriculum, ever. I've never heard of it. And That's because you weren't in my classroom. I, <laughs> I was too old for your classroom by the time you were teaching me. Uh, but my students still, I still hear my students from. I mean, I'm doing this for everything, just so you understand what you've done. My grandson or granddaughter asked me for anything going forward. You're going to write me a proposal. <laughs> so we're taking a break from school. I know, but you want this thing, and that's I, I need a proposal. I need how much it's going to cost, what you're going to do with it, why you need it, what it does with the thing you already have doesn't have it. Oh, they're going to hate you. That's and great see, now it. you've talked about budgeting because yeah. budgeting is important. Sure. I mean, we're talking about financial literacy, and I think – 
real financial literacy. I have on there how do you set up, and one of my YouTube videos is how do you d set up, uh, how do you begin hydroponics in a classroom, which means classroom means any learning environment. That is any learning environment. That means if you are a parent, you have a classroom. It is your home. It is your home. So any learning environment, you need to have a budget. You have yep. to you have to have a budget and you have to look at what things do we already have. I mean, you one of the lessons that's on uh, Hydro for Food is this one is the activities already on there and it looks like quadrants. It is. This is how a student might want to learn the the X. What is X and what is Y? The coordinate points, the coordinates mm -hmm. for a point. Well, you learn that so that you know how to take this lid. OK off of a tote and you need to you need to be able to you need to know how what's the area what is the perimeter of the net cups and yep. you you give them net cups yep and then you say now what type of plant do we have how much nutrient does it need how deep is your tank uh, how much area do you need to leave for air so there's all the calculation but i don't give it to them I don't give it to them. I may help them with the circular, the whole saw, but then they, they eventually, this is what you come to. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to just hand it to you. No, here are the neck cups. Here's the, and that, that activity is on Glenna Tabor, uh, is on Hydro for Food. It's free. Just, you know, go and download it. But I mean, it's, it's asking you to take what you know and then forever they will know how to use. Why do you learn area and perimeter? Yeah. Why do you learn capacity? Yeah, because a lot of times kids are like, well, I don't care. That, and the people don't understand that. Like one of the most insightful things ever said to me on the subject of education was from Sula Freeze, who used to be on our expert council. And, and, and she said something I already knew, but I just never expressed it this way. She said, there is no way to make a child learn a thing that they have decided they don't want to learn. And there's no way to prevent a child from learning a thing they have decided they do want to learn. You can't stop it and you can't make it happen. You have to focus on giving them the motivation to learn the things that they do need to learn uh, to uncover that form. So that takes, you know, this, these mathematical concepts, which when they're not applied to anything are pretty damn boring. <laughs> they, no, they are. I mean, unless, I there's, there's egghead mathematician types that just love math. They see the beauty in it. They see the music in mathematical forms. But that's great. Go forth and musify math, right? That's great. But that, that's 1% of people with the intelligence to have it, right? Like, so even if you take all the freaking people that would like score a, a buck 30 or higher on an IQ score, there's still only about 1% of those people who are those math savant level people. Cause most people like, it's math. I don't give a shit. I use it for what I need it for. Right. But now you have something that you need it for and you're all, you know, you're in construction, you're in engineering, you're in biology, you're in chemistry and you're in entrepreneurship. Cause when you call these kids farmers, people say, Oh, well that's cute. No, well, what you just taught them there. If they wanted to, they could take a spare bedroom in a house and earn money selling food to the block around their house. Right. That, that level of production is totally doable indoors in a, an 11 by 12 standard, you know, spare bedroom. It's to, you, you know, it is right. Now, I don't oh, yes. know if that many of them are going to do it, but they could. 
you not but have if, if you but wouldn't that be wonderful in a, in a in a learning environment that yeah. you started your own business yes what are I the economics that, I mean, of the business right now now we're now we're getting into economics not just entrepreneurship what is the input cost versus what are the so what are the cost of goods sold where are your cogs what's your average revenue per per per, per customer your apc right like you can start teaching these advanced like this is stuff that I learned because I had to as I advanced in business that my cohorts knew sort of from college. And you're breaking this down to a level that can be understood by a, a middle schooler. Yes. And they have a reason to learn it. They have a reason yeah. they set up what they want to do with after their business sells these products. What do they want to do with it? Because I would look, I would plan with teachers as a consultant. I would go in and I would plan with with teams of teachers and and they would explain to me what their eighth graders were going to do and what they were going to do during their first unit. And I would stop and I would say, wait, wait, wait. Why are they learning it? Why? Yeah. I, I until you because you take an eighth grade male student. Yeah. You've got, they, there has to be a why. There has to be a hook. There has to be a grab for them to want. And one of the books that changed, it changed my life as a teacher even more, it layered on, was Thomas Armstrong. And his book, the book I love the most, was written in 1998, and it's Awakening Genius in the Classroom. And he and his researchers went into schools who were successful schools, and they thought, okay, we'll see all this really cool information. And they found that 75 to 85% of all the learning that was occurring in those schools were textbooks and worksheets. And they said, textbooks don't cultivate genius, and worksheets are worse. No genius has ever attributed his or her success to a worksheet. <laughs> no, it's completely true. And, I mean, you have to break through to kids – because, like, my grandson's 12, and I'll joke with him sometimes. I'll be like, you could be riding a jet ski, getting licked in the face by a puppy, and you'd still look miserable, right? <laughs> they, you know, they reach that point about that age. They're just like, for those that are on the audio, you'll have to imagine, but for the <laughs> video people, they're just like this all the time. I know. You I know, know you're right, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I can get them, though. I can get them, and they have to fight. I can go in, and the, the activities, I mean, I'm doing hydroponics, and I'm, and, and I'm grabbing those. But what Armstrong said were there were, cult, there were qualities of genius, curiosity, inventiveness, playfulness, joy, flexibility, vitality, humor. And he said you have to have that to cultivate the genius that every single person has. And you mm. said that beautifully. Every single person has it. We see creativity as, well, some people are born with it and some people aren't. No, creativity is, cre it's creative thinking to stick with something longer than someone else would. That's creative. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the old saying in this one size fits all educational environment. It's like if we spent uh, the entire life of a fish trying to teach it how to climb a tree, it would believe itself to be stupid. Right. It's not stupid. It's just not. A, it's not a monkey. It doesn't climb trees. It's a fish. Right. It swims in the water. And if we told the monkey it had to learn to swim underwater without some sort of respirator, it would die or, or, or fail and think it was stupid. And that's that's kind of what we're doing where there is a creative genius, I believe, in every human. It's just you. in to do what. And so many people end up in this world where like they believe there's like five or six paths through life. You either get a college degree and go do a thing or you get an advanced degree and go do a thing or you don't go to college and you go work as a blue collar worker. And so when they end up as a young adult struggling to get by, 
no matter what they could have done, they never even explore it. So they never even knew it was there. And they'll live their whole life believing themselves to mm. be stupid or subpar or whatever. Right. And it's a shame. It's an absolute shame because the person that we think of as the most intellectually slow is still incredibly intelligent, right? Yeah. Like if, if you find that person's place, like I've seen guys that like you, you can't get them to do four plus four times two in their head. Like you just can't get them to do it. And yet that guy's like actually really good at math and he's a cabinet maker and he makes gorgeous cabinets. Right. But he just doesn't think the way that you do where you can, you know, rattle off numbers like that. Um, how do we how can you get people get this type of thing into their learning environments? I mean, homeschoolers, obviously, you just do it. But like public charter, private schools, like how, how can we get this done? What's our what's our on ramp look like? I would go to Hydro for Food. I would go to Hydro for Food because I've got you started. I've got you started there. I would go to the Glenna Tabor YouTube channel. I have hydroponics in the classroom series. I also have, uh, do you want me to tell you what I've got for your listeners sure. and your subscribers? Yeah. I've got hydroponics for food. It's uh, 17 lessons, six modules. It is set up to where you take hydroponics. It makes hydroponics simple step-by-step. Step. And the last module is hydroponics in the classroom where I'm putting all the curriculum and I'm adding to it every week. Your listeners, I've made it really simple, 75% off. It's regularly $47. Your listeners, 75% off, $11.75. And all they have to do is go to Hydro for Food and it will have at the top a button that says join the fund now. Go straight to it. I've already put the coupon in. So they okay. don't have to do anything else but put the coupon in. If they have any trouble or anyone who wants to do that and just says, you know, I don't have the 1175, which, by the way, is a Burger King meal. Yeah. Just saying. It's a Burger King meal. But if you don't have it, I understand that, too. Go to Hydro for Food and sign up for my free newsletter. I'm giving you as much as I can for free. I'm offering that course because it will take your hand and you can have it for a lifetime and, and go to that. And they can also, anybody has any trouble with any of that or wants more, then please, oh, there's the button. Yeah, just punch, join the fun now. Join the fun now and it will send you straight to the coupon. It's on, there it is. There you yep. go. There it is. And you just punch on the enrolling course. And those are all the details of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I will make, and I already have um, all of the stuff in the show notes today. So when we're done with the live audio, you guys can just get over to, there's a link down in the video notes right here. If you're watching the video, I'll go ahead and drop that link though in the live chat right now as well. Um, it's there. I'll tell you, I, uh, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you are with Excellus Academy, but they're who we use for homeschooling. And I don't know what, how their back end works with people that create content or whatever, because it's a very structured system, but there are mm -hmm. some electives in it. I think you should get in touch with them and talk to them about making your program like an elective inside Excellus and whatever deal you can do with them. Oh, because I would love to do that. Roger Billings. <laughs> Come on. Well, and they're, they, you know, because of COVID, they've blown up huge. Their reach is, you know, I think it's one of the better 
paid structured programs out there. That's why, obviously it's why I use it. Um, but we've been amazingly, uh, impressed with them. And part of why I feel that way is their teachers have that animated personality, that engaging personality you have. You sound like one of their teachers, even though you're not associated with them. And I, I know it works because I see it work, especially with my granddaughter. My granddaughter is a much more uh, motivated learner (laughs) than my grandson. She, She's like a, a thirst for, for learning and knowledge. And I see how engaged she is by these people because they speak in a way like I'm not going to. I, I speak at like a way that I think is more engaging to adults than, I, than to children. I, I can try, but I'm not naturally talented that way. We all you know spin to our own natural talent. So I think you should get in touch with them. I don't have any relationship other than I pay them a bill every month. I mean, that's so I, I don't have an end with them or anything, but I, I think they would be open to, to, to comms. And and I, I would tell you to pursue that. Um, can you tell us what what's your kind of your end goal uh, in the classroom? What, what's your what's your plan to take over and dominate the earth uh, with, with hydroponics <laughs> and education? You know? I actually have it as as a mission statement. Ah. Uh, I have it as a mission statement. It's it's my dream to see every learner around the world having fun learning while growing their own food. I'd love to see your listeners embrace hydroponics and bring it to all those who aren't just learning how to survive, but learning how to thrive. I see hydroponics as the answer to survival of the family. Hmm. I see hydroponics as the answer to survival of the learner who is the innovator of tomorrow who will be in charge when I'm old. Yeah. Yeah. When people say children are our future. I don't think they really get the meaning there. When we're all old and an adult depends, like we're going to be relying on these people to find solutions to take care of us in our final years. We better take care of them now. Um, self-interest alone would dictate that, let alone just ethics. Um, I know that you guys have really focused heavily on like basically a hybrid cracky, like deep water DWC with aeration. Uh, and of course you're going to get some evaporation. So you're kind of combining the two methods. But when you look at some of the advancements in technology and the fact that we're creating these kids to be innovators, um, how do you see the future, uh, you know, happening with these hands-on learning methods or maybe integrating more complex hydro systems at a more advanced age or using other things that are technology based the way that you're using hydroponics? Uh, Yeah, this is just the start. 40% of office space is empty, empty. And what we are doing now, what we know is there are a lot of startups, but I see the, the students and the learners who learn how to do this are going to learn how to, they're going to be the innovators who create in the offices, in office space in Chicago, how to set up tow, virtual towers in plug and play mm-hmm. and have sensors that are smart. See, here's now where we get into coding, that they're smart enough that these sensors can use all the information from anyone who's hooked into the system and modify the nutrient levels so that we can have as much food as possible. Which is how, like, major commercial operations right now work. There's a greenhouse I keep trying to get the time to try to tour and video over in Dallas. It's a two-acre greenhouse, and it's all hydro. 
they sell almost exclusively to restaurants because that's a high money customer. Uh, it's got climate control, evaporative coolers on the walls. It's got all kinds of automation where, you know, this time of year at a certain point in the day, the shade cloth rolls in. In the winter, when the sun goes down, the, the, the tarps roll in and keep the heat in. And it's, it's fascinating, but that's what they're doing. But there's no reason we can't do that type of automation and have the ability to custom code for what we're doing. And then, like, you're using AI, which I think is great because that's going to shorten the learning curve on coding because it will do base coding for you or find errors in your coding. Yes. And, like, I don't, I, I, when I first heard about ChatGPT and I started playing with it, and I gave it an assignment to write me a 10th uh, grade level paper discussing the differences between cats and dogs uh, to format <laughs> a bibliography and all. And, it wrote, and I said, write it at a 10th grade level, you know, and use American style English. So there were, you know, things like firstly in it, you know, immediately like <laughs> the kid cheated. It wrote this thing and I looked at it and said, well, I would give that an A. And I'm like, my grandson cannot know this exists. That was my knee-jerk reaction. Two months later, I'm like, my grandson will learn how to use this. Because if he doesn't, the people he's going to compete with in a few years are, and he's going to get buried. Like, we cannot ignore this because it makes us uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah. you know, don't you think back when you hear the arguments against it to the people that thought Google was going to destroy the world? Not because it was an evil corporation, but because of what it opened up. When we first started having like major internet search capability, people were like, oh, it's oh, going to yes. ruin everything, you know? Right. And, I, and I, you're probably, I don't know what your age is, but you're probably at an age where you do remember your teacher saying shit like, you won't have a calculator everywhere you go. And now you're like, well, you lied. <laughs> you lied. Here's what I'd say to people. You, you need to find a balance. You teach people to have fine balance and you optimize the resources that you have available to you. Hmm. You optimize those. We cannot imagine what our learners will have 10 years from now. We can't imagine it. And what, what we need is it's not, and it's really chat GPT. It gives us what is known. And Tony Wagner's quote is the world doesn't care what you know. Knowledge is free like air and water right now, yeah. and you should be accessing it. He said the world cares what you do with what you know, and Correct. can you think critically about what you, the knowledge that you've gained, and can you put that in to chat GPT, and can you optimize on that? It's finding the right balance. Can you so tell that, when it's wrong, right? Like that's important right now to use that tool. You have to be able to look at something and go, I think you got that wrong. You know, and I've had where I've, I've literally asked, I said, I think you got this wrong. And I apologize. <laughs> oh, did it say it? Oh, yeah. And I said, I apologize for the confusion. And then it like gave like a politician's answer and then the right answer. It was like it has these hallucinations and delusions at times now. Like it'll literally make things up when it doesn't know sometimes instead of saying it doesn't know. Well, um, I, uh, I put in there, give me, I, I asked it to to uh, pretend I'm a beginning teacher and give me some engaging math activities I can use in my math stations. Yeah. And I could tell the limited amount of information that's out there for truly engaging learners and that they had not been to glennatabor.com to download my <laughs> materials because they gave me, it gave me worksheets. Yeah. It told me to put them in stations that, well, that's a moving worksheet. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but 
digital worksheets are still worksheets. Yeah. It, you yeah. have to have uh, – you asked a while back, you asked on one of your – it may not have been a while back, but you asked, what's the one word for your company? And that oh, challenged yeah. me yeah. of what's the one word I would say for hydroponics in the classroom. Yeah. And I went around and around, and my one word is fun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that came from uh, two brothers that ran one of the most successful marketing firms in uh, England. They did really well until they tried to buy a bank. That was kind of where <laughs> they went too far. Um, Saatchi and Saatchi, they called it a love word. And, when you know, when we built our marketing company, myself and, and this guy, Neil Franklin, who was a Brit, and that's why he was associated with them, um, the word we came up with was create. Right. And I mean, it was like the back of the business card was lowercase, all lowercase, create, period. And if you could sum up something like that, it's it's pretty impressive. And then can you present your company by using the word? I think if you've done a logo and a tagline, right, you can present your entire company with nothing but a business card. And uh, so that's that's an interesting entrepreneurial thing that I didn't know we'd get into. Um, let's talk about something else, though. Like you said, you see the aha moments. Can you think? of a success story or transformation like an individual you can use a fake name on them or whatever but like this one kid that you can remember like what it was like for that one kid when they discovered something with this method yes uh, the student looked at me and he said he said miss miss and I said remember miss Tabor or miss Glenn I think he called me miss Glenna uh -huh. and he, he said uh, he said, Miss Glenna, he said, if I take this seed home, because each of them had given, been given a pelleted seed, and they were also given a loofah seed, because I'm sorry, loofah plants are just so successful. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll grow. I mean, I've got one growing back here. They're just successful. Yeah. But I t he said, if I take this home and grow it, then, then will I be a farmer still? And I said, yes, you will forever be a farmer. Hmm. Hmm. Forever be a farmer. Um, beyond the classroom, how do you see hydroponics influencing a kid's perspective on sustainability, food security, oh. and their role in like the global e global ecosystem after they leave? Like, because this is lifelong stuff. I mean, I still tell stories about one of my teachers. When I was like in second grade that you know brought pomegranates in and showed us how you take a pomegranate <laughs> apart. And then I went home to the apartment <laughs> complex I lived in, and there growing everywhere, and no one knew it was food, right? So, I mean, this it is a lot, and I still tell that story. I was in, like, sixth grade when that happened. <laughs> well, Lufa, people think Lufa is something from the ocean, and I'll yeah. say, no, <laughs> let's grow it. Let's see. Um, I see it. See, I hooked the hydroponics in the classroom because I just – one of the reasons why I did hydroponics in the classroom is because I could not. It would have been wrong of me not to share it, and at least if someone would listen, it would change the lives of young people. But I believe in hydroponics because it's accessible to anyone, anywhere, at any time. I'm working with missionary groups now. I'm, I'm sending it to a homeschool. I'm sending a setup to, just like mine, I am sending a setup to Papua New Guinea. Oh, wow. So that they can use it. And, and, and so that they can grow, continue to grow their own food. And what it really says is, I don't, I mean, we're living at Terre Hill Farm. We are trying to live, we are literally two steps from off grid. We're a mile from our mailbox. Okay. We're, <laughs> we're two steps from off grid. 
we, our electricity went out and my husband and I had set up solar panels and I used the and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did help, but he had set up solar panels and 10 of our circuits immediately went to the solar panels. We're putting AC in, in, in the high, toward the hydroponics in our shop and it's t- completely solar panel, completely run off a of solar panel. And it makes it where if I can grow my own food, then I never go hungry. Yeah. I can always and quit looking at other people to help you to come and rescue. It's time to self-rescue. Hydroponics is about self-rescue and the great scheme of things. And I keep telling people one of my the first short I did that took off that convinced me, okay, I need to be doing more videos <laughs> was I went to Walmart and they were selling basil plants for five dollars and they were this big and i said film me film me (laughs) and we went home and and i went out in the shop and i said look i said i can show you how to grow these for 10 cents yeah but and i'm furnishing now i'm sending people i'm sending people dehydrated basil and they said even the dehydrated because I grew it at home, because they know I grew it, started in hydroponics, grew some of them completely in hydroponics, it makes their food taste different. But I want people to self, to have the knowledge to self-rescue and to take away, you can set up a hydroponic system, you go to Glenna Tabor YouTube channel, I can show you how to set up a hydroponic system if you just repurpose a shelf, you don't have to buy it. If you repurpose a tote, if you repurpose, there are just a few things that you'll have to buy. And if you and you can do it for under a hundred dollars. Oh, absolutely. It's not even hard to get under a hundred bucks, you know. No, the the aerator is it's a it's an aquarium aerator. And please put in that they can contact Glenna at hydroforfood.com if they've got any questions. I the if you wanted to punish me for the, if you wanted to punish me, you would say, Glenna, you may not, Glenna Tabor, you may not help anyone else. <laughs> and I would so, say, no. <laughs> I just want to, like, for people that are skeptical of the AI thing with ChatGPT, the last three questions that we used in this discussion were completely composed by ChatGPT. I took the write up for the blog today, the bio you sent me, some information I gathered off your website, talking points I had planned had it format all of that for me into my show notes. Uh, then I said, give me three questions that are not covered there based on the other information you have. So the discussion that we had on rapid advancements, uh, particularly mem- memorable success story and going beyond the classroom all came from chat GPT, which yeah. I think is really cool because these are not questions. I, I, I like when I saw them, I was like, well, these are great, <laughs> but they're not necessarily questions I would have asked or you'd have thought thought to prompt me to, uh, so definitely leverage these tools. On what you're talking about, though, with the way this has lifelong impact, I look at my country and I look at the world and I see more mental illness in it than I've seen at any time in history. And I'm not even going to pick on any given sector of that because I'm talking across the board. I'm not just talking about the people that are um, upfront weirdos. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Like depression, anxiety, right? Yeah. All of it. Yes. And I believe that 
with a few exceptions, there are probably people that just have a cross wire or something. But in general, the person who should be mentally healthy that's not, the root of whatever neurosis or problem they have is almost inevitably anxiety. That anxiety is at the root of it, and then it will manifest itself based on other things in that person's life. You know, when people say, you know, what's the major cause of divorce? And they say it's infidelity, but it's usually money. But what caused the money to be the problem was some form of anxiety. And so all across the board, everything that we can do to reduce anxiety in individuals leads to a more mentally stable society. And mentally stable societies are the ones that innovate like crazy people. It's kind of counterintuitive. And so when someone can feed at least base level feed themselves, yeah. Well, doesn't a lot of that anxiety go away? And you actually have to sit back and wonder if maybe the reason we don't teach people the skills they need to survive is because we want people to have anxiety and be dependent. Because when you empower people, you do not get people who are dependent. You do not get people who are compliant. You get people that will tell you to go shove it up your rear end if you tell them they have to do something that they know is not in their own best interest. And they're, they're going to say, well, my baseline is covered. Because all of the things that are used to sell these, you know, these government programs of like a baseline survival level, why don't we just teach people how to do it instead of giving people a means to purchase it? No, I mean, and even people who have taken my course, who've been in it with me, have said the same thing is, couldn't we, you know, couldn't we share this instead of just handing people a product we, I mean, it's it's like fish. Fish stink after three days. No, I'm not. I, I didn't believe that for any learner. Fish stink after three days. Don't don't hand me a fish. Teach me how to fish, and I will yeah. tell people that I'm going to teach you how to. I will help you, and then I'm going to slowly. I'm going to scaffold support for you, and then I'm going to let you go we'll on your run own. Run away and let you do it yourself, right? Because if you don't, but it that the. The idea is that you can believe in yourself. I mean, I thought, how can I have a bad day when I have five tomatoes growing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how could you? It, it, to me, that's just, you know, I'm, we, we are using crack key hydroponics, yeah. by the way. We've harvested 15, over 15 pounds of tomatoes this year because we use crack key outside under a shade cloth. Oh, wow. Ten foot tomato plants. It's Ten awesome. feet. It's awesome. I mean, you know, yeah, so, how can you have a bad day when it's seven degrees outside and it's February and you have fresh basil? <laughs> it's hard to have a bad day when you're sitting there, you know, making up some bruschetta with with fresh basil on top of it or a warm bowl of tomato soup with a chefanada basil on it. Because like, OK, then this can spring off. OK, now we've learned all this stuff. Now we can go in the culinary world. <laughs> the culinary world is also a world of science and math. Yes, it is. Right. Like so like. There is an unlimited capacity to educate within food, period. Like hydro is a specific niche within that. But in food, there's an unlimited capacity for education. I defy anybody to tell me something. I can't use food as a component to teach. And when I say food, I mean seed to belly, right? Like there will be a food uh, anchor. I would love to see a school use this as, as part of, they use it in their science they use it in their math. The math people are putting together the data sheets, yeah. the, and they're using it, and the science people are testing, and everyone's involved, and the culinary people use what they've grown, and they feed oh, the geez. school with it. 
No, Would we're going to fix not be engineering incredible? here. We're going to fix engineering here because the engineering quandary is always the people doing the math have never built a product. Right. The guy that's like the product manager is trying to do with the engineers is like office space. I can't talk to customers <laughs> and like, no, I mean, really, because if everybody has a basic root in the product development, when you try to go to the next level, you don't end up with something like, was it Cadillac or Ford did the freaking motor and the starter motor you had to pull the freaking head off the motor or something to get to the starter motor because they put it on the top of the motor. Like a mechanic, I think, that has to work on that starter motor wants to kill the design engineers that did this. It's, it's, it's the most dumb thing, but it happens all the time in society. It is because of this walled garden approach that each okay. discipline, like you stay in your little world and you don't go anywhere else. And you wonder why they get angry when people do their own research. Well, you've completely broken the, the walls down then. You know, like, I don't need you. I'm going to go find out. Like, I have all this information available. Um, well, this has been a fantastic discussion. I want people to know, again, I do have your two websites and your YouTube channel in the audio notes right down there in the video. There's all kinds of yummy links down there, guys. You should look at them and click on them. There's all kinds of good stuff. But the first link that's there will take you over to the audio version of this which will be available in about a half hour from right now. If you go there now, it won't work because we're not done yet. We're not finished. We can't have the archive until the live is done. Um, but that will all be there, and they should definitely check out what you're doing. Um, this was a fantastic discussion. I really appreciate you being with us today, Gwena. Thank you. It was an honor. It, it truly was. I. Uh, it, that's why I loved the question, how did you get into hydroponics? Because... Um, my 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 husband watched Jack Spierko, <laughs> and now uh, I'm part of that. I you know thank you because I'm really I'm trying to get the word out, and if people will subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's one of the ways that it it gives me credibility, and I can only do it organic. I'm not I'm not doing it any other way other than organically. I'm just it's organic. I'm not doing it. I won't do it, and I won't. I, I want to do it because people want to learn from me. And, and so I'm continuing, and I'll be continuing to post about mathematics, too. I can teach you a concrete way. You need to note this for your grandson. I can teach you a concrete way to use Legos to solve systems of equations with substitution using Legos. Hmm. Go maybe, to, we may need that more for my granddaughter. My okay. grandson gets math. He doesn't want to do it, but he gets it. She struggles Go bit. go to glennatabor.com and okay. then go to my YouTube channel the the and click on and see you can use Legos to awesome. solve systems of equations using substitution. Coolest awesome. thing. We do have a couple quick questions here. This one I don't really know the answer to at all. Uh, has anybody used hydroponics with a fluent from biogas systems or seen anyone who has? That's um, an organic fertility that could create more of a aquaponics environment. Um, in hydro, we usually use, you know, people think of as just base nutrient because it's not a living system uh, in, in the water itself from a biologic standpoint, at least not initially. And if you're, I think it would get more, I think you could do it, but I think it might be more complicated and require more of systems that are using like flow through wicking or ebb and flow. What, you have any thoughts on that? I'd we actually ran aquaponics okay. for four years, so we've done both. 
Yeah. And you and you could do it. You could. Well, with biogas affluent, I'm not sure. But I, I, but I wouldn't recommend it for if you're just starting out. I mean, that would be a wonderful experiment. But if you're just starting out, and and with aquaponics, it you know there were many times that um, well we I just don't recommend aquaponics for schools right now sure. or in learning environments because we you know there were several times that uh, we had a backward flow and. Yeah. And the, luckily, the tilapia that we're doing this um, yeah. <laughs> survived. They made it. I, uh, they're pretty tough critters. <laughs> I had 100 of them in a 55-gallon as fingerlings until they went outside. And I did an aquarium vacuum with this really strong aquarium vacuum of the gravel. And it's like you hook a garden hose up to it and it creates the suction. And one of the little guys went up in there and he went and shot through 50 feet of hose and ended up like there's a piece at the end where the water comes out and I had to take it apart and popped him out and threw him back in and he lives. So they're, they're pretty hardy, but yeah, everybody that's done aquaponics sooner or later, will have a massive fish dead day of dead fish. Um, and you're also ha- you're forced to move water and yes. inside a school that can result in a flooded classroom. And then everybody's right. angry. So I, I kind of with you there. The only thing I've seen done to supplant nutrient in a hydro system that use an organic biologic is worm tea. And I've seen that work and it works better than it has a right to, because if you do the math on the NPK, it shouldn't be enough, but there's something going on in nature there that we don't fully have the capacity to explain yet. And you don't, when you use that, you don't end up with like a weird fermentation of of the nutrient. So that's something that I would say that, like, even if you're doing conventional hydro, adding a little bit of worm tea to it. Uh, and I had a little, I don't know if it was some tea or not, I had little worms show up in my grow plugs. You're like, this is biologically inert. I'm like, well, tell him that. He doesn't think so. Right? You know? And I've studied that. But, if I mean, we're, we're mentioning NPK. And that's, yeah. so uh, the, the NPK, that's part of what's in the hydroponics for food course is just, you know, it goes over that because people, people say acronyms all the time. People use acronyms and, and you may not be familiar with it, but also, I mean, it brings up the part of what hydroponics teaches anyone is that failure gives you more explanation. Sure. You learn. I mean, you know, Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Yeah. Yep, which leads to the one way that does work. The one way that does work. Um, Texas Homestead says, how many gallons of nutrient does the tank behind her hold? That's This is a 10-gallon low-profile tank. Okay. And so it will hold 10 gallons, but what happens if you put 10 gallons in? Cool. <laughs> no air roots. Yeah. So this is holding six gallons of nutrient. Okay. And, you know, I'll just show you the – I mean, the – Part of what happens when it's hydroponics is that students, if you're planting outdoor gardens, and a lot of schools are using outdoor gardens and community gardens, and that's a big emphasis, and nothing's wrong with any of that. It's finding that, but you can't do this. Yeah. And yeah. study the roots and see the error roots and yeah. know and compare. I, I mean, this is, and then I can measure it, and then I can put it back in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just not possible. But this is, I mean, this is to, uh, $10. Yeah. And I would, I would endorse the idea of low profile, shallow as much as possible 
because you get in a vertical growth environment and you know if that thing's six inches deeper well, there's more nutrient there but there's more weight and you also now have to give up more shelf space and adjust your shelves accordingly so shallow is good and uh, we call my, it deep, I've got two videos relative. two videos that show you how to take uh, a tote transform a tote and another one that will show you on the Glenda Tabor YouTube channel that will show you how to transform a food carrier. Okay. A food carrier tray. And you just yeah. use a hole saw and then put a hole in the end, stick it. I mean, you know, don't go buy your plants from a big box store. <laughs> <laughs> Start your plants in hydroponics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though you're talking about the, they're selling the uh, the basils, live plants. Yep, uh, you give me five minutes, and I'll show you how to take some powdered rooting hormone and that plant, and turn it into a hundred plants by making clones. Right. Yes. So, like, then we that's another level of biology. What's the difference between a clone and a seed-grown plant? Like, this is the layers of this is just innumerable, and it never. And ends. there are two cloned. There are two that were being propagated right now. There yep. is a uh, the uh, Brad, uh, Brad's Atomic Great Tomatoes. They were they died the first. The plant was eleven feet tall, yeah. and but I uh, I pulled off part of the plant and it's now being propagated. So when it cools off in Texas and it's not a hundred six outside, it will go back outside and grow more tomatoes. Awesome. Awesome. Because, yeah, it is ridiculous right now. Anyway, uh, Glenna, this was great. Thank you for being with us today. You are very welcome. All right, folks, real quick before I wrap up, I want to remind you guys, if you like the work I do here and you want to support me, there's a real simple, easy way to do that. doesn't even have to cost you any extra money. And that's just whenever you're going to buy something online, check out tspaz.com first. And even if you don't buy something I recommend there, as long as you start your shopping there, You'll help us out along with the work we do. Now, we did talk a lot about hydro today, and I'm bringing this thing back around. This is not really a hydro product. This is an outdoor garden product. Uh, I love hydro. I love aqua, and I love growing soil. I love all of it. This is a galvanized metal raised garden bed. I won't say much about it today because I've brought it around a few times. But I checked the numbers today, and over 75 of you have bought this thing since I brought it out last week. And I've gotten zero complaints about it. I did get a video or a picture from a guy that said it definitely comes in more than two pieces. And it's pretty cool that they can ship this thing that's eight foot long by four foot wide, by two foot deep in a box that's about, you know, as big as a, a typical standard large box for shipping it because it's in multiple panels. You bolt it together. Um, this is I, I keep bringing it back because one, when something sells, you, if you don't hate money, you bring it back. But two. I like this so much that I keep trying to talk myself into buying a couple of them for a project, even though I really don't need another garden bed. Because uh, I just think it would look so cool set up with a couple 16-foot uh, uh, cattle panels spaced about six foot apart, making a little walkway through the middle of it. It would be awesome. And uh, so if you are looking to put in some more raised beds, this is hard to beat. You're talking about basically uh, a modular stock tank without a bottom. Uh, galvanized that's going to outlast you and me, and they're selling for like 147 bucks on sale. I don't think you can build with lumber a four foot by eight foot by two foot deep raised bed for the cost of the lumber right now, uh, using pressure treated lumber and what have you for that price. And you're getting something that's infinitely more sustainable. Uh, so definitely check it out if you haven't. Remember, uh, if you uh, if you want to help us out again, even if you're not buying this product, you can always do 
your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. Also consider our membership, our MSB membership. It pays for itself. We just added above phone as a new supporting vendor, as I announced yesterday. 75 bucks off the purchase of any phone at above phone and a $50 membership. $10 a month off for ButcherBox, $50 membership. You can see this where it's it fits well with our subject today. It pays for itself. Uh, Glenna mentioned that you could set up one of these systems and begin it for a hundred, you know, under a hundred bucks. Well, the day you produce your hundredth dollar in value of food out of it, it paid for itself. That's how we try to model our business here: make things pay for themselves, because then customers stick around forever. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another episode of the Survival Podcast. I'll catch you tomorrow with another. Run you round. They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.